And there were some days we would look at each other and we'd say it might be a real challenging day with his illness. And we would look at each other and say, okay, let's see who we're offering it up for today. And, and that made it, that made all the difference. It really did. Offering it up, having that gratitude for uh, what the Lord is doing is, uh, was meant everything for us. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Open Door Policy. I am your co-host, Emily Mentock. And I'm your co-host, Father Patrick Gagno. How are hello, you, Father Emily. Patrick? Oh, hello. <laughs> What's that thing they used to do? Like, you owe me a Coke or something like that. Right, yeah, uh, Jinx, you owe me a soda or whatever. <laughs> no Jinx, just blessings. Just blessings. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, <laughs> amen. Emily, how are you? I'm doing great, Father Patrick. How are you? Good, good. Can I give you a praise report? Let's do it. Okay, praise report, because who doesn't love a good story of how God is so powerful? Here it is. There is a woman who came to Corpus Christi Catholic Church, which used to be named St. Gerard, who's patron saint of conception and fertility. And so she was visiting, and she's 40 years old, and she's never been able to conceive. And so she came a couple months, about three months ago, and she lives in Jamaica right now. She was visiting her aunt. She came and stood in front of the tabernacle received prayer. I went and got the relic of St. Gerard and we prayed over her and I, she's eight weeks pregnant now. And I just listened oh to the, gosh. listened to the, she sent me a video and I listened to the heartbeat of the baby and the ultrasound. And my favorite part of the video besides the heartbeat and the baby was listening to her mother go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. With that Jamaican accent. So God is good. God is so good. How about a praise report from you, Emily? What's up? Oh my gosh. That's well, what a story. Oh my gosh. Father I Patrick. love it. That's amazing you, to Lord. start with. You have always the best just stories of healing yeah. and intercession. It's yeah. true. It's inspired my life. Uh, praise report on my end. You all, uh, I hope this one is one that goes through. Maybe it's, this is a thanking God ahead of time example, but we've had mm -hmm. some turnover on our staff. We, um, one of our, my, uh, teammate team members, Maggie, she moved on to a new job, uh, which is great for her. Exciting. She's engaged. She's in a new city now. So we're super Ooh. happy for her. And it's been a journey to try and find a new person. And mm. I think we are getting close to having one. So praise report that God is sending us the right person to fill in, uh, step into her shoes and, uh, going to thank him ahead of time for the way he is helping uh complete our team again i i was been really inspired at all the times uh throughout the pandemic the archbishop has wow. reminded us that uh even in a sh what seems like a shortage of resources to never doubt that god has given us every single thing we need to Absolutely. fulfill the mission he's called us to especially working for the archdiocese so i'm just giving god thanks ahead of time for that and my, there's my it. praise <laughs> oh emily and there's a similar theme to both of the the testimonies that just you know the way the truth and the life of jesus that he will always find a way in our lives. He will always find a way. And so how about we make a way now for our amazing guest, Emily? What do you say? Yes, I'm so pleased to have one of our guests. She came, came to me highly recommended. I'm blessed to know both of her daughters and meet her today finally. So three fun facts um, about our guest today. She loves Alfred Hitchcock movies, which is perfect. We're recording in the month of October, the month of scary movies. Yeah. So that's a great one. Making great apple pie. Also seasonal. Love apple pie. My husband mm. loves apple pie. Uh, I have not mastered it yet. So maybe I can get the recipe. Uh, and then she and her grandson love to create Lego masterpieces, which is super wow. fun. Um, so without further ado, happy to welcome to our podcast today, Sheila Breen. Ooh. Welcome, Sheila. <laughs> Sheila. Hello. Thank you. So Aren't lovely you? to be with you. It's great to have you here. What's it like to be the mother of such awesome disciples of Jesus? You know, um, I'm very blessed. I really am. God has 
uh, blessed me with the most amazing family. And um, uh, I'm so proud of, of all of them. Really proud. Mm-hmm. And you have three, three children, right? Three so kids. I know Patty and Annie. Patty is our oldest and um, she's a pastoral associate uh, at a uh, St. Michael's Parish in Livonia. Tim has some big job. I don't really understand it at uh, <laughs> Rocket Mortgage. And Annie is our youngest and she is, um, she works at Our Lady Star of the Sea Parish and uh, just had, they just had their second baby, Eliza Joan, uh, about six weeks ago. Oh, congratulations. I'm at their house today watching Xavier, my grandson. Wonderful. Wonderful. Congratulations on being a grandma round two. That must mm-hmm. be exciting wonderful. for you. And yes, you shared yes. in your fun facts about building Legos. Uh, what is the most fun Lego creation you guys have made to date? Uh, oh, we have made a whole city and what? he has this one <laughs> Lego piece that's green. And so we turned it into a city and then we kind of made it into a park. He does all kinds of things. So I, I'm just, when I come over, I do whatever he wants. And so he can play, you know, with his Legos for hours, oh. or maybe we'll play with his dinosaurs or, um, you know, whatever the case might be. I'm just open to being whatever he wants me to be. So wow, wonderful. And Xavier, Xavier is the name, right? Yes, it is. Wow. Xavier Paul. Yes. Come on. Like the patron saint of yes. the mission, St. Xavier Francis. And then St. Paul. I know. I know. This, this little guy is going to be evangelizing before he's out of diapers. <laughs> I, I think so. I really do. I think you're absolutely right, Father wow. Patrick. Yeah. Oh, oh wonderful. Well, he, loves, he loves to go with me to our parish, which is St. Genevieve and St. Maurice in Livonia. Mm-hmm. And we have... Um, a beautiful statue in the sanctuary of St. Michael, the Archangel. And Xavier is so fascinated by St. Wow. Michael. And there's this statue with him with his sword and his shield. And, you know, he's stepping on the head of Lucifer and mm-hmm. Xavier just loves it. He thinks that is, he's the best saint of all time. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that is awesome. And I'm sure, yeah, so fun for a little boy to look up with the sword and the shield. He loves all that stuff and to see a great example in St. Michael there. Yes. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, Sheila, we're so like, thanks for sharing about your family. We're really excited to um, get to know you today. And, you know, we like to just start off um, with each of our guests and ask them, you know, what was their life like before they became a joyful Mm -hmm. missionary disciple? What, what was your life and your experience of faith before, or at the time you had that encounter with Jesus that would have then called when the archbishop says in the letter, once you have that encounter with Jesus, you can never go back. Your life has changed forever. But what was your life like as a joyful missionary disciple leading up to that? I, you know, I was raised Catholic. Both Kevin and I were raised Catholic. I think we um, loved it. We loved the faith, but it, it was never, we really never had a true encounter, I would say with Jesus. And it was wow. probably um, maybe 20 years ago, Um, I felt the Holy Spirit, um, his word to me was, for months, was transformation. And it just came to me all the time in prayer. And um, there was a point where um, I heard about a place in Steubenville, Ohio, Franciscan University. And I heard that there was going to be a women's conference there. And I told Kevin, I said, Kevin, I think I'm supposed to go to this. And at the time, our kids were young. And uh, he said, okay, let's, let's make this happen. You go. And um, he, you know, I, it was really led by the Holy Spirit. I really had very little uh, information on what the conference would be about. 
Um, I really wasn't very familiar with praise and worship music, wow. none of that. And um, I really didn't even drive the freeways a whole lot. Like I could get, find myself lost coming into Detroit. Mm. And so Kevin said, well, do you know how to get down there? And I said, oh yeah, I do. I had no idea. I just knew <laughs> oh I had to go south on 75, get out wow. to the turnpike at some point. I figured there'd be a sign Whoa. and then find my way down there. And it was a life changing weekend. Whoa absolutely life-changing weekend and and i just at that time i prayed and i just said lord if it be your will please let our kids come to school here someday and two of them tim and annie both graduated from franciscan wow mm. annie met her husband there too so yeah that this was is the beginning awesome. yeah do you remember from that i'm sure you do uh from that weekend any particular highlights of encounters with the Lord that, that, that come to mind when asked now? I think that uh, going to adoration in the adoration chapel, which is uh, based on the uh, chapel that St. Francis uh, prayed in um, mm -hmm. when Christ told him to rebuild his church. Praying there was unlike any place I'd ever prayed. And um, um, the just, just, really having that sense of the Holy Spirit watching over me and I knew watching over my family. Um, and it wow. was a five hour drive going back home. I really think the Holy Spirit took over that car because I don't think it took me five <laughs> hours to get home. I mean, it, it just was like a, just an ongoing praise yes. fest. Wow. It was beautiful. Sheila, I love it. It comes to my mind now. With the you know the passage from John's Gospel where um, Andrew and one of the other disciples are following Jesus and he turns and he says you know what are you looking for and they say where are you staying and he says come and see and we know that Andrew comes back and and tells Peter we have found the Messiah that they went and spent this time with him that was just transformational in their lives and it sounds like that was an experience of that for you that weekend if you had to try to say like you know put into like a sentence like. After I left Franciscan after that weekend, my faith was boom. If you just had to describe like maybe a sense of your relationship with God or your faith, if you had to try to describe in a sentence or two what the difference was after you left Franciscan. I that was set on faithful fire. Weekend. Whoa. Okay. I was set what? on fire. Punto. And, <laughs> Point. <laughs> and it was right at that time. And and it wasn't even just for myself. I saw changes in our children. Um, Kevin at that point told me he had been discerning the diaconate. Um, wow. He had been actually discerning it for a long time and he never told me, but um, <laughs> just so many things. It was like everything came into place. God took his rightful uh, place in our family as the head of our family and um, our lives were, have been transformed. And that prayer, that word that I received from the Holy Spirit of transformation that that's what it was amazing wow listeners i wish you could see father Ooh. patrick's hands right now he's ah. like raising the roof praising god he's talking <laughs> <laughs> about this story sheila's got us going and lord just what you did in sheila's life do it to everybody listening right now and us sitting here together let that just fresh fire of your presence fill us lord that transformation fill us afresh thank you for what you did in sheila lord do it in us today please <laughs> jesus back over to you emily what's cooking 
Well, so, so inspired by this story, you know, Sheila, you mentioned a couple of times, Kevin, you mentioned your, your husband. Um, Mm. and for listeners who might not know, I mean, many of us, I think in the archdiocese are familiar, we know who Deacon Deacon Breen is. Um, and you mentioned what it was like to then go back and then hear him share with you that he had been discerning the diaconate, which we, we know then he ended up going that path. What was it like for you to come back and have, um, faith conversations in a different way? And how did you guys discern Mm. that together? His call to be a deacon? It was, um, it was a time of tremendous sharing. And um, I think our love for each other, our love for our family grew in ways that, because we were more open suddenly to what God was um, wanting to reveal to us. And um, I, that has made all the difference for, for us, for our family. And really, it was a time of I would say simplicity and joy, really. Simplicity in terms of, okay, well, that, that's it. That's, that's what God wants us to do. And, um, you know, we talked with our children about every decision along the way. Uh, they were completely open and uh, honored to be a part of that whole journey. And um, it, it really helped us also to focus on um what was most important and that was growing in our relationship with the Lord. And, and we all did that. We all did Oh, that's that. wonderful. I feel like you, that's how, you know, you found God's peace. I don't hear many families with young children talk about the simplicity of their life. Yes. So, but once you, when you, like you shared, once you have figured out how to place God at the head of your family, instead of trying to navigate every, the world without that support, mm. without that guidance, um, then it just, everything becomes more simple. So is, you know, we've had, we've had, uh, we had just a few months ago, Deacon Chris Boltowski, um, on, and he talked about his discernment of the diac. And I think we've had other deacons on as well. And, but the role of deacons wives, I mean, what an incredible role. Yeah. So maybe you can share a little bit. What was, what was your faith journey? Like when your husband is in this, you know, season of discernment, because it's, you know, it's his vocation, but really it's a vocation for your family as well. Is. What is it like for you to be part of that process as a deacon's wife? I think that's a really great question. And I've uh, pondered that a lot um, mm. since, you know, January when Kevin passed. Yeah. And the thing was that, um, I remember saying to our pastor at the time, I said, Father, I said, I see Kevin growing in leaps and bounds, and I feel like I'm not growing. I'm just kind Mm of, you know, bringing up the rear and, and, you know, making sure everything around us is taken care of. And um, while it felt like like we were so um, honored to be a part of that um, process and that discernment, we, um, I felt like he was growing and maybe I wasn't so much. Um, Mm. and, uh, I remember our pastor at the time, father Bogan said, you know what, Sheila, you are growing. The Lord is doing great things in you. Mm. You're just not seeing it right now. The fruits will come and you will see that as time goes on. And I just trusted that I really did. And I just thought, okay, um, you know, we'll just, um, continue living our lives and raising our children. And, and, and I, that him saying that to me really brought a lot of peace to me as well. And, and that I think has been one of the biggest parts of our journey uh, is the peace that only God can give. Wow. He has given to me through all of our journey together through all these years. And that's when I know it comes from the Lord. Mm. 
Sheila, I had the, the joy of uh, getting to talk with Deacon Kevin many times and just he, a truly beautiful man of God. And there's an article, you know, if you want to Google friends out there, Deacon Kevin bringing a bunch of stuff pops up. Good we'll stuff. We'll put it in the um, show notes. <laughs> there it is. There's an article that the Detroit Catholic did. And uh, one particular quote really struck me was from uh, Aaron, who worked at the Archdiocese. He thinks she still does. Every single day, he was the most peaceful, most humble person. And that describes, I think, your, uh, your beloved Kevin so well. And I wanted to ask you, you're such a beautiful witness of, of the Lord's love and hope and his resurrection power. It's, it's less than a year since he's been called home to the Lord. Um, how has your process of uh, the healthy, holy grieving, um, how has that been for you? Um, it has been a time of tremendous grace. Mm -hmm. um, from the time that we got Kevin's diagnosis, which was June of 2020, and his he was diagnosed with a very rare um, neurodegenerative disease. It's called multiple system atrophy. And it's similar in some ways to Parkinson's and similar in other ways to ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, um, but it's very rare. And um, so he was diagnosed in June and he died the following January, January 22nd. And um, I think it was, um, when we got that diagnosis in June, we we sat in the doctor's in the parking lot at the doctor's office. We simply prayed a prayer of surrender, and we said, wow. "Lord, we have no control over this. Hmm. We don't know how long this journey is going to to be. Um, we know the outcome. You know, he it, there's no cure for it. There's no treatment. Nothing like that. And we said, we just surrender. We truly surrendered." Um, and, and by the time we then immediately, we felt such peace and honestly, I describe it, um, as a tsunami of graces that just poured over us, poured over us and, and really continues to do even now. And, um, so it's been a time of great challenge for sure. Um, for me, for our kids, for all those who love him, but it's been a time of tremendous grace. It really has. I think that, um, so it began with that surrender and, um, and it has just continued. It's really beautiful to hear mm -hmm. you share about that tsunami of grace wow. right after you were just sharing how, you know, you were guided through that time that the, the grace would follow when you felt mm -hmm. like for Deacon brain, he was growing in his faith. You were seeing some advancements in his journey and feeling like, oh, that time hadn't come for you yet. Do you feel mm -hmm. like oh, that waiting that what in that time of greatest need that you then felt all of that progress that you had made over the years in your marriage and, and being a, the wife of a deacon that then it came together in that moment when you needed it most? I absolutely do. Um, Emily, I just, um, there's something about carrying a cross that makes you talk about simplifying your life. It really mm. makes all the other things fall to the wayside. The things that we worry about, or uh, you know, um, you know, how does my hair look today? All the all the, all the things that we think about, um, everything became so much more simplified, and we simply trusted that God was going to take care of us, and and He did. And, and that's not to sugarcoat anything because it was really difficult. It was very hard. But, you know, one thing I wish people would um, 
take so um, much to heart the sacraments. Where would we be without wow. the sacraments? Kevin was anointed several times by many holy, holy priests. And um, just uh, sitting in silence before the Lord, there were times when I would come home from work and, you know, he was still at that time working um, in his, in his uh, job down at the chancery, but working from home. And we just would sit in silence together and just have just this beautiful prayer time. And uh, really, again, another, another phase in God's transformation uh, that he spoke that word to me so many years before he was still speaking it at that time. Amazing. Hey, Sheila, I'd love to ask one more follow-up question or really Absolutely. open it up for you to share on this because, um, you know, before we began recording, we were talking and you just spoke beautifully of how you experienced that, that he's with you. And, and in John chapter 11, when Jesus is standing with Martha and before the tomb of Lazarus, and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. When he said that, I mean, those words to this day, we, we, death is, it is a sad thing to see a physical death. And then as disciples of Jesus, we do rejoice that it is just a, a medical term. It is a physical condition of the body. But we take Jesus at his word that Jesus said, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So I believe he's alive in, you know, in the Lord. And you've had this experience through your faith, which opens up the, the perspective of life with God for us, where it's more than what we just physically see. And you had this perspective, this experience through faith that, well, he is alive. Tell us about that experience, though, of like, your pre like I just sense my husband, like the gift of his, his intercession, his presence, however you would say it from your authentic experience. So I would say um, that, you know, we as Catholics and everybody's at different points on their journey, um, but when you read scripture and you read God's promises and you Whoa. take part in the sacraments, you know, God meant that. He means that. He, he means that for all of us. And when, if we say we believe those things that he he promises us, just as you quoted, Father, from uh, John's gospel, he means that. And so we have a choice to make. If we want to choose to believe that the Lord really means that, and, and he does. And, um, you know, so many times since Kevin has passed, so many people have said to me, I had a dream about him, or I had, um, you know, I had this vision of seeing him at mass or, or something like that. And I haven't had anything really like that, but I did have one dream and it was the most beautiful dream I've ever oh. had my whole life. And I just want to share it with you. So please, it was, it was um, a couple of months ago and it was at mass and it was an old church. I just remember that it was, it was nighttime and it was an, it was dark and there was a mass. And for some reason, I remember knowing it was a family reunion. It was for my family. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my uh, all relatives and all of that. And there were all these people there. And um, so we had mass and then there was this family reunion and it was like a party afterward. And I remember um, 
vague, uh, vaguely knowing Kevin was there in the background, but I didn't see him until the end of the dream. And he was driving away in a car. He looks at me, he waves, and he says, I'll see you when you get home. Oh, and that was the dream. Thank you, and Jesus. And it was so beautiful. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm going to remember that dream for the rest of my life. And, you know, here it was, it took place at mass and it was a family reunion. And yeah. he was telling me, I'll see Whoa. you when you get home. It was, I, I mean, I couldn't have thought of it myself, you know, right. it only Amen. come from the Lord. Yeah. Glory. It was beautiful. Glory. Wow. What a, beautiful, what a beautiful gift too. In that, I mean, God, what you mentioned God's promises that he, you know, that he makes in scripture that we find if we turn to the Bible. And one of them is that, you know, that he'll, he will comfort you in your time. Mm. So even though I'm sure that with, with Deacon Breen's faith and the support of family around you, that even in that time of grief leading up to his passing and, and fo shortly following the funeral and all those things, mm -hmm. you would have had that support, but that God can also give you the gift of a dream many months later, or yeah. in, sh in the yeah. little reminders you might get now being with your family, being with Annie and Patty and Tim and, yeah. uh, and that God is not just there to say, and through Jesus's words, oh, you will not die. If you live in, mm. live in me, you will not die. But that in his generosity can give you these other reminders and comforts in your grief as you go on, because who knows how you would have needed that. And God knows your heart and knows that you needed, that you can stay close to him and close to his love because of that dream that you said you will carry, you will remember forever now. Yes. And, and really just knowing, um, having that relationship with the Lord. Um, gosh, I, I can't imagine life without that. I can't imagine who I would be or if I didn't have that. And what if we didn't as, as a family, you know, with our kids growing up um, and uh, the peace that I have felt uh, since his passing um, is, is, is only from the Lord. And um, you know, there are some days that are difficult and some days there are tears and, um, um, but more than anything, I think what I feel, uh, is gratitude, gratitude to God for sending amazing people into my life, whether into my children's lives, whether it's wonderful people that I work with at Angela hospice, whether it's friends that we've had for many years, whether it's family members, um, the priests in our lives, the deacons in our lives, um, all, all of those people God has sent to us to minister to us. And, um, but gratitude to the Lord for even the crosses. I, I, I am grateful for the, not that his, for his suffering, but his suffering was um, a beautiful gift. And what we did, if I could share, um, mm -hmm. we took, um, we made out a big calendar and it was, you know, with the squares for every day of the month. And we did it for several months. And this was Kevin's idea. And he wanted us to offer up our suffering every day for a particular intention or a particular person. So some days it was, we were praying, our intention was for, um, the archbishop and some days it was for one of our children some days it was for a future member of our family some days it was for a priest that we love or um the diaconate community um end to abortion all these different things wow. we offered up and we said and there were some days we would look at each other and we'd say it might be a real challenging day with his illness 
and we would look at each other and say, okay, let's see who we're offering it up for today. And, mm -hmm. and that made it, that made all the difference. It really did. Offering it up, having that gratitude for uh, what the Lord is doing is, uh, was ever, meant everything for us. I know, mind blown. That's such a beautiful reminder. It's taking me mm -hmm. back. I remember right when I was having my own sort of encounter with mm -hmm. Jesus and coming back to the faith and thinking through the times of totally different kind of suffering, but finding comfort in that offer it up gift, the way that God invites us to unite our suffering to his and offer our suffering up mm -hmm. alongside the sacrifice he made, not because we're worthy by any means, but so that we're not alone, wow. that we can be part of that. And I remember buying this coffee mug, uh, that I found on someone's Instagram that says offer it up. I still have it actually, oh, I love that. um, because it's, yeah, that's such is one of the great gifts of our faith to have that meaning and purpose and align with the Lord's suffering and what we're doing. You mentioned Andre that Pio had a beautiful, um, saying, um, we were married on Padre Pio's, St. Pio's uh, oh. feast day, September 23rd, which um, wow. back in 1983, before he was a saint, but he said, and I just, as a nurse, this always um, resonated with me. He was driving past a hospital one time and he said, he pointed to the hospital and he said, look at all that um, suffering that go is going wasted. And mm. he said, we need to, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing him, but wow. in other words, we need to um, remind people of that, that that suffering is not going to waste. We don't want that. We can use that um, and unite ourselves to Jesus's cross. And um, mm -hmm. that makes all the difference in the world. You, you mentioned that you're a nurse, a hospice nurse. Um, and so I'm sure that seeing what Deacon Breen was going through, and that's not the first time you've seen people go through something like that. Wow. And you're that you were, you were not a stranger to witnessing suffering, especially wow. suffering that comes at the end of life. Right. Tell us a little bit about what that experience was like that prepared you for how then you were encountering it close up in a different way, or just some of the things that you've learned, um, walking with many, many people who are in hospice and what that's taught you about trust in God and how to make sense of that suffering wow. at the end of life. You know, I think um, for many years, I knew I was called to be a hospice nurse. I had done lots of other nursing work many years, you know, all those years prior to that. I've been a nurse for 39 years. Wow. And I um, knew that at some point in my life, I was going to work particularly for Angela Hospice. And I just um, knew that hospice work being with people in their most vulnerable times of life, which for many people is scary and it's uncomfortable, there's pain, all those things, loneliness. I just knew that that was what I was supposed to do. And I um, love it so much. And I um, think it has really prepared me to then be able to minister to Kevin and to our children through, through my work um, as a hospice nurse and being with people, you know, when they died, um, you know, we had several patients, you know, who had uh, coronavirus and um, especially in, if they were in a hospital and we went to minister, you know, take care of them there, um, families were not allowed to be there, right? You know, the hospitals were shut down. And so sometimes we or the hospital staff were the only ones who could even be with family. And um, I think that just um, solidified the importance for me of prayer for those who are dying and um, 
and just being present with people, holding a hand, um, you know, touching someone's shoulder, you know, even though we all had our masks on, looking eye to eye, um, connecting in whatever way we were able to. And, um, and at the end, you know, we were, um, Kevin was, uh, you know, very comfortable. We, the kids and I refer to it as we, we prayed him home. We prayed the chaplet of divine mercy at his bedside the morning that he died. A few minutes later, as we ended it, he, he, he breathed his last and this earth and, um, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Oh, Sheila, I'm, I'm so grateful for, uh, the testimony that you're sharing and really there's beautiful teaching in it as well about redemptive suffering. And I think our, um, one of our recent guests, Michael on the podcast quoted St. Paul, the sixth that, you know, modern man listens more willing to willingly to witnesses than to teachers. And if he does listen to teachers is because they are witnesses and the story of you and Kevin looking at each other and well, who is today's suffering for? And now your, your reflection on, um, those precious moments of, of, coming down the home stretch of, of life, uh, you know, and God's from my experience as a priest being, I'm in my ninth year now being in a lot of hospital rooms, a lot of hospice rooms and a lot of homes where the person's getting very close. I just would say like my experience would be like the presence of God just seems thick. It just seems like it's thick. And uh, in the Psalms where we hear in Psalm 116, too costly or precious, too costly in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his faithful. And I like that translation, too costly in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his faithful for him to not show up, for him to not be there. And he is there so, so powerfully. Um, and, and the endings like the, of, you know, when God works these beautiful miracles that you finish the chaplet and he breathes his last and, and heads to the Lord. You know, my one question for you as a nurse and someone who's worked with a lot of people who are in that in that spot and experience the thickness of God's grace, his presence is um, any thoughts on your heart as someone who's lived 39 years as a joyful missionary disciple, as a nurse, um, how to, how to take the awareness of God's presence and the sacredness of, of life into everyday life. Any thoughts on that? That's kind of a big question I just threw at you, I think, but uh, you know, God's presence and to be aware in such a way. Yeah. Over to you, Sherry. Sheila. Hi. Yeah, that is a big question, Father. Um, I would say for everyone, a couple of things, and that is um, starting our day, obviously, in prayer, um, in silence. For me, it's silence. I need that, Um, especially because my day is usually very uh, busy. And um, the sacraments. And then I would say... um, just knowing the Lord will help us through everything and being grateful, whether it, whether it's, you know, uh, seeing the two squirrels out here fighting and, and knowing, um, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. And it doesn't matter if it's snowing or raining or, or whatever, and, and being grateful for um, and being present to the people uh, that I'm, that I'm there blessed to serve, being able to just, be with them. Sometimes they would want prayer. Uh, a couple of times I've sung with patients, which probably mm. was, they probably wanted me to stop. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, just being there and the families, the families are, uh, need our support so much. Wow. And sometimes if a, if a 
patient maybe was unresponsive or something, but the family was the one that we were actually really, really ministering to. You just don't know the moments before a person passes. I don't think we'll ever understand or, or know what that's like, um, but it's a mm. privilege. And that's, that's how I look at it. It's an honor and a privilege to be with them. That's, mm. that's the best I can say. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. yeah thank, thank you for sharing that. And great answer to father Patrick's very challenging question. Um, <laughs> something that just kind of stood, stood out to me or came in my heart while you were speaking about those moments is that, you know, in, in those difficult moments towards the end of a person's life, whether for the person or for the family, that maybe one of the way, reasons we feel that that thickness of grace or God's presence is because we're turning to him in that moment of total vulnerability and humanity. And we're turning in this, this with an openness that it's very hard to probably have until you're faced with that reality of the end of our time here on earth. And, but thinking of the other time you felt that simplicity was one of the greatest, you know, joyful moments after your retreat. And so just a great reminder to our listeners that, that, that grace is there. It's available. God wants to give it. Mm -hmm. And what he really needs from us is to turn and ask and, and draw near to him. It's not just that. Oh, I mean, I'm sure there are extra graces through the sacraments through anointing and second, things like that, that, that happen at the end of life. But so much of it is just, how do we, in that moment of vulnerability, turn things over to the Lord in a way that Mm -hmm. we don't in daily life. And what a great reminder for anyone who's listening to this today to take a moment and whether it's starting their day with silence tomorrow morning, like you shared as your routine or in the little sufferings that they encounter, but to draw nearer to the Lord in whatever that everyday moment is and, and not wait for those, those big moments that come in life. Um, and that's one of the great ways to celebrate life then is to bring God more, more into it through your daily life. So I wanted to ask you, Sheila, but we're kind Emily, of have you been hanging out with St. Teresa of Avalon or something like this? Oh, oh my more. gosh. Back to you. You were going to ask Sheila a question. I was going to, yes, I would. No, you're Ooh. fine, Father Patrick. No, I'm learning from you from all these podcasts now that we've been doing together. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask, you know, as you, you're kind of in this, this new phase, this new chapter of your life, you know, life with um, with, even though Deacon brings with you every day in a way, his presence is there and he makes himself felt by you, but, uh, it's a new chapter in many ways. This is the time now that you, he had his time of growth. And now it's your turn to, to lead the family in a, in a different way than if he were, you know, still, still with us here. Um, we'd like to ask our guests, what is their dream? Um, so in this new sort of chapter of your life, um, still not even a year after his passing, but going through those anniversaries and, and having a new granddaughter and seeing your children kind of, and and leading them in a way, you know, without their dad being here, what is your dream? If you have one that you can share. Um, the first thing I think I would say is, um, I want to be more open to being a prayer warrior. That's the first thing I would say. Um, And for our family, for our parish, for the archdiocese, for the world, I really do. I I feel very, um, very led to that. So that's, that's the first thing. And then the second thing I would say is, and Kevin and I had talked about this before um, he passed away, we were able um, to go to Ireland for our 35th wedding anniversary. And that was something we wanted to do was to travel more. And I think that's what I would say is, 
um, I'm, I'm hopeful to be able to travel more. Um, our daughter Patty and uh, Father Jake Van Ash, who I know you had um, as a guest uh, yes. not too long ago, mm -hmm. uh, they're leading a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And so awesome. I am planning on going on, on that. And then really, I'm open to whatever, whatever the Lord wants me to do, whatever. Wow. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, yeah, I, I, I wow. just want to, um, prayer is vital and, um, yeah. and to be able to travel, I think, uh, it's something Kevin, you know, wants me to be able to do. Uh, that's awesome. Amazing. And just one more scripture, Sheila, when you said, you know, I, I want to be a prayer warrior and that just thinking of how you want to live, uh, consumed with God's presence, prayer, keeping us in God's presence. And also are aware of God's presence and interceding for others as well. When John said in John chapter 20 and verse 30, I think it is when he says, he talks about Jesus did many other signs than these. These are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ and that through this belief, you may have life in his name. Another way to say it is life in his presence. And it's just beautiful to hear your story today. And like, what's your dream? It's If I may paraphrase it, tell me if I got it wrong. Don't worry about my feelings. Um, Is that, you want to live life evermore in his presence. I do. Whoa. I do. You have I blessed do. us mightily. And you know, and one other thing I would say, you know, next Sunday's gospel, the last um, sentence of that is where this, Jesus says, the son of man came not to be served, Whoa. but to serve. And, and I think uh, for me, um, I think that is, is a way in which I know I am able, and and I think a lot of us, you know, it's easy to think we want to insulate ourselves with grief, but really, I think to go out and serve somebody else is um, a way to mm -hmm. uh, really uh, be a joyful missionary disciple. Really, amen. Well, Sheila, we are so grateful for your time this afternoon oh. to share your incredible oh. story with us and so much wisdom, so many insights. I think yeah. people are going to be listening to this episode. They'll either have to listen to it into small bites and then stop and pray, or they'll listen to it multiple times just to soak in all of this wisdom that's been shared with mm -hmm. us. And we're so grateful for the way the Holy Spirit has filled you mm. in sharing your story today. So thank yes. you so much. We like to close with prayer on the podcast. Would you mind um, starting us off? I would absolutely be honored to. Oh, Heavenly Father, you are everything. And we are so grateful, Lord, for all you have done and are doing and will continue to do in each of our lives, in the lives of our families and in the lives of the families of parishes as we move forward. We are so grateful, Lord, for all that you are doing in the Archdiocese of Detroit. We are we are so blessed to be here at this time in history. And Lord, we surrender ourselves to you anew this day. We surrender our lives, our thoughts, our every, every part of ourselves, we surrender to you, Lord. And we are just so grateful to you. And we uh, bless your holy name always. Mm. Father, thank you for reminding us through your precious beloved daughter, Sheila, that you are truly beautiful, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are beautiful in every season of life. Thank you for teaching us anew this day through Sheila how to continue to surrender in all seasons and draw near and receive your amazing love. Please, Father, fill everybody who spent this time 
with us with amazing blessings of your beautiful love in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Back to Emily. Thanks for listening to another episode of Open Door Policy, where we hear stories of different joyful missionary disciples in Southeast Michigan and how they encounter, grow, and witness in their love for Christ. You can find more episodes at unleashthegospel.org forward slash podcast or on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Music. See you next time. That was an experience. Wow.